up, citizens? It's Vincent Jones, aka Citizen Jones, here with another episode of Quarantine and Chill, a daily podcast where we talk to LGBTQ people from around the world, learning more about their story and how they are experiencing the coronavirus pandemic, or what I affectionately call the zombie apocalypse. So grab a drink with or without alcohol and tag a few friends on the socials to join you for this kiki. And let's quarantine and chill. You know you can't go nowhere. Hell no. Hello there, Simon. How are you doing? How is it down there in Brazil? Hi, Vincent. I'm good. Um, I'm actually feeling quite lucky down here in Brazil at the moment. Um, So home normally for me is Sao Paulo. Uh, the, the biggest city in Brazil, um, some 20 million people living in the, the greater metropol- uh, metropolitan area of Sao Paulo. But right now, I'm at a friend's place outside in the countryside, about three hours drive from Sao Paulo, in the middle of nowhere, um, surrounded by beautiful mountains, uh, lots of birds, and lots of nature. Um, some Paulo and Brazil, well, Brazil isn't too badly affected by the coronavirus just yet, um, but I think, you know, we have our expectations it will arise, uh, arrive at some point, and there is obviously a great nervousness around the favelas, particularly in Brazil. Um, there are some 11 million people, uh, between 11 and 13 million people who live in a favela uh, in Brazil. That's about 20% of the population of Rio live wow. in uh, a favela and obviously the majority of you know you can have families between four and 20 people sharing houses that are essentially the size of most of our living rooms um, so there's obviously a big concern about the spread there um, many of you will be aware and I have no no qualms in sharing my strong opinions about the Brazilian president um, some call him the Trump of the tropics, but uh, my personal opinion, he's, you know, I think actually the economist or maybe the BBC said the other day that he makes, makes Trump look like a, a scientist uh, with wow. some, compared to some of the ludicrous things that he's saying. So um, at a moment when the, the world is looking for leadership, for guidance, for a sense of, uh, sense of security, um, he's he's not giving that at the moment. So that's the most frightening part. Um, São Paulo is the the kind of the hub of uh, or the epicenter of uh, the coronavirus right now. Um, so I'm feeling that's why I'm feeling quite lucky to be out outside of it here. Um, I'm an Englishman. Home is originally England, so I see what's happening in England with um, six seven hundred deaths a day at the moment. Nearly 5,000 people have lost their lives so far um, compared to here in Brazil where it's, you know, a total of between four and 500 uh, deaths with, with, with the deaths per day ranging between 20 and twenty and 40. So another reason I'm feeling quite lucky, but obviously very worried about my family back home. So before we go into more about you, um, let's dive into some hot topics. Oh, that's hot. Um, sure. So I so I know you work in luxury travel, so I know um, you should be. Uh, you're, you're, I'm sure you've been following this development with the Italian government and, and what they have been advising all of their like um, um, hotels and that kind of travel agencies and whatnot to not issue refunds 
to anyone, just issue credit to anyone who had traveled during this time period and cannot go. What are your thoughts about that? So I think right now, and, and looking at it, this is a global issue um, for sure. I think one of the things is that if everyone in this world starts issuing refunds, you know, businesses are going to run out of cash very quickly, very fast. And we're going to see a lot of big travel companies, a lot of uh, big travel companies that a lot of people have lots of bookings with, future bookings, um, running out of cash and potentially running out of business very quickly. Uh, and that will obviously affect a huge number of jobs. Um, there are some 10% of the world who are employed in, in the travel industry. Um, in fact, the travel industry until recently has been creating one in five or one in four new jobs. Wow. Wow, bro. That's crazy. Um, and obviously we know way beyond um, the likes of the big companies or the big airlines um, or the big hotel brands, there are the, the travel agents who are employed by this industry, there are, there are restaurateurs, there are taxi drivers, there are Uber drivers, all who survive of this, on this industry. Um, so I do understand the, the, the desire not to give refunds uh, and to give credits for future bookings in order to save these companies, to save these large companies, to save um, the small companies and to save jobs, um, to save, secure the money of people who are not looking for refunds as well. Um, I, but I, of course, I appreciate the challenge for everyone. It, it, you know, everyone's in a very different financial situation um, mm -hmm. to where they were, where they were personally. Um, but I think uh, I would agree with the encouragement of, where possible, try not to refund. It was definitely, it's, a, it's such an interesting challenge. I feel like there hasn't been, there's no consistent like industry um, guidance. And because mm -hmm. um, I think no one expected this to happen. Uh, no, exactly. I, I think you're right. And I was reading something this morning on, on one of the, the UK uh, travel websites. And they were saying, look, talk to your customers, explain the huge financial impact that the refunding and, and giving back cash can have on companies as well. Uh, and I think, you know, many people will understand it. And that's why we kind of do have to take on a, you know, on a case by case basis as opposed to an industry wide thing, because some people's cash situation will be very different to other people's cash situation. And, right. I, you know, just chatting amongst friends yesterday, I think, the biggest challenge is for the medium-sized businesses. You know, the small individual operators uh, or, or individual people um, do quite often have a way of taking care of themselves. Big companies tend to have a lot of cash, but those people who are, who are employing, you know, 5 to 15 to 20 people, um, having cash beyond three or four months you know, it just, just wasn't likely until corona came along. Right. On a different topic, I know a lot of people are having meetings um, on video. And there are all these tools that have been available to us that are now becoming part of our everyday lives. But we're, we're finding that there are all these privacy issues um, involved with that. Um, have you been um, grappling with the privacy concerns with the video stuff or, or, or how has that affected you at all? Um, like everyone else, I've been jumping on every, every Zoom 
call with a million people. We've been trying to teach my partner's family in, in Portuguese how to download Zoom, how to, how to work Zoom, how many people can get on Zoom, that you shouldn't have people on two phones in the same building, in the same room. Everyone, please put their phones on mute. Um, so thank God for it, because right now, more than anything, I think we're all craving human connection. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think GDPR and, and, and uh, privacy has been increasingly uh, growing as an issue recently, and and. You know, I forget the, ne uh, the name of the next Netflix uh, film program that I watched recently about the, um, the whistleblower whose name has escaped my mind. Anyway, it was pre-corona. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it, obviously it, it's a concern, but I think everyone's immediate concern right now is just to be able to connect with loved yeah. ones all over, all over the world. Yeah, no, it's definitely a balancing act. I know I read over the weekend how there was um there's some like the way the videos are named that the, it's easy for a hacker to find them and then and some hackers found a bunch of videos like with therapy sessions um i guess someone was wow. doing someone was doing a um, some kind of demo on like a bikini wax um a lot of kind of conversations you wouldn't want to be public and they mm -hmm. put them on a website to be able to show um, the vulnerability. So, so I think Zoom is trying to deal with that, but um, mm. it, I know a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of elected, like um, a lot of governments are starting to use video chatting and everything else. So it just shows, I think it's an opportunity for businesses to fix these issues, but also I think if the, the average person should just be, think twice about what they're doing to make sure they know that they're being secure. Yeah, I was amazed to see the, the British government having their cabinet meeting on Zoom. And I thought, seriously, the British government doesn't have a more secure way of having a conversation between all of its, uh, all of its cabinet ministers. Um, but, and obviously, I did Zoom in to see the little nicknames that they've given themselves <laughs> and, on, uh, on that. But it, I, I mean, I'm, a, it, I'm endlessly amazed and shocked by the madness of some of these situations, you know, yesterday we were seeing in the UK about fake news and how um, they were burning down 5G masts because they thought... Yeah, that's so, that's so insane. It's, it's like there, there's some documentary that um, yes. even somebody was telling me about the other day where they're basically alleging that the first, um, that the first city that has all of the 5G towers is Wuhan, China. And how this is probably like a conspiracy to spread it all to be able to bring on the new world, the new world order and whatnot. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, you know, and, and the, I think that maybe it was the health minister or the communications minister in the UK who went on and said, this is what hospitals, medical teams, emergency teams use as a mode of communication. Do not destroy these masks. I mean, right, honestly. Right. So, so let's talk more about you. Um, so, so tell the our quarantine and chill audience a little bit about who you are and what you do, and um, and how this um, this um, the, the coronavirus and the quarantine have affected your business and your life. Sure. 
Sure. Uh, I guess long and short of it, I was born into a family of travel. Uh, I had travel running through my blood since I was a kid. Um, my parents met working in a travel agency. Um, I have a very inspirational godmother who I'm very close to, who ran, launched and ran one of the uh, UK's best luxury travel companies. So throughout my childhood, I remember being sat under the desk of my dad in the travel agency when he was a kid. Um, mm. As people came in to book their holidays or I was sticking stickers on brochures back in the days. And then when I was 17, 18, went to work for my um, godmother's luxury tour operator dealing with um, the most beautiful hotels all around the world. And then I moved to London um, because I was born... Uh, in the middle of nowhere, a beautiful part of the English countryside, very close to Manchester. Um, but like any gay teenager, I was craving the big city. Um, yeah. So ran away to London and ended up working in events, fell into events and did all sorts of weird and wonderful things in the world of events. Worked on the, the biggest um, home show uh, and the oldest home show uh, in the UK, which the Queen used to open herself. Um, before I ended up moving more in, more and more into the travel space. Um, my last job before I started my dream, dream job 10 years ago um, was um, maritime and shipping events in the Middle East. So I used to spend 50% of my time uh, working with cruise itinerary planners to showcase the Middle East uh, to them as a destination, home porting or, or calls of port across Oman, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Bahrain at the time um, and then the other half of my time I would do um, oil and gas shipping stuff in oh my God. Saudi Arabia so <laughs> yeah. you couldn't get two more schizophrenic polarized uh, types of events that I was doing at the time but it was fun and I learned a lot and I learned a lot about the power and the importance of face-to-face and the importance of human connection because um, something that's certainly something that comes through in the Middle East stronger than anywhere else, I would say. Um, and then I ended up working for, right after that, um, uh, I got a call from somebody who said, are you looking for a new role? I said, no. And they said, well, what if it's your dream job? I was like, go on, tell me what's, what's my dream job. And they said, <laughs> international luxury travel market. And I was like, yep, that's it. I'm in. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) And I went for the interview with my with uh, my old boss, and you know, I walked out as she was walking me out of the interview. She was like, "Yeah, this is you." Um, And it was so. uh, I've been working for ILTM, as it's affectionately known, which is um, to all my friends who are not in travel. I describe as kind of the Cannes Film Festival or the uh, Fashion Paris Fashion Week of the luxury travel industry. Um, So I I was based in London for many years working on this, running our shows out in China um, and uh, in Cannes, and then was responsible for the the launch of our show in Mexico, which is called ILTM North America, uh, and then moved to Brazil as we acquired an event that was uh, essentially a Brazilian version of of our events. Um, Now it's effectively known as ILTM Latin America, um, and essentially all we do is we bring one full lovely travel agent such as yourself and travel advisors from all over the world to meet with the very best hoteliers, on-the-ground uh, operators, um, cruise lines, private jet lines, uh, well-being providers from all over the world. Um, and after, I guess, uh, seven or eight years of working on these shows, 
Um, we, we constantly look at what gaps are there in the market, well-being being one of them. Um, and the other we decided, you know, we really felt there was a niche and a need for, particularly in the high-end uh, market, to start looking at micro-personalized and highly personalized experiences for the LGBTQ traveler because mm-hmm. you know, the top end of the market where you're spending anywhere anywhere between $250 to $1,500 a night um, and you're not getting a sense of belonging or a same sense of welcome or feeling that a heteronormative uh, couple or counterpart uh, is receiving. So we, 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 we launched Proud Experiences, which uh, first edition took place in, in London in 2018. And then we moved to New York alongside the 50th anniversary of World Pride last year. Uh, and um, it was set to take place in June this year, but we've now postponed to, to November in New York. Um, yeah, to really help the travel advisor and the hotelier work together to make sure that the the travel experience of the LGBTQ traveler, wherever they're going, is one of a really special and wild experience. Now, and it's, uh, I mean, you know, as you know, I was, I was at Proud Experience last year. It was an amazing event, just in terms of events to go. And I put on a lot of events over the years. So I'm always looking with a critical eye, but there was, every detail was was attended to an, an amazing staff. And I got to make lots of connections with folks who I've been working with um, over the years. Um, and I know, so for you, putting in all these events, it must be a very interesting time because there's a lot of uncertainty. That's like this, um, there's, you know, there's cancellations and, and deposits and insurance and force majeure and so on and so forth. So how, mm-hmm. how have you been grappling with all of that in your business life? Sure. Uh, I saw um, a Brazilian friend of mine joke in Portuguese, said, you know, like, basically along the lines of, God, I really feel sorry for anybody who works in either travel or events right now. And for anyone who works in both, oh, my God, <laughs> there's cooking classes, um, basically. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate to work for um, what is one of the biggest um, event organizers in the world um, and be part of um, uh, Relics Group, um, which is which was until recently called, uh, known as Reed Elsevier. Um, it is one of the world's oldest publisher um, and uh, media companies now as it is. It is a top 20 company in Europe. It's a very ethical company. It aims to take great care of all of its employees. Um, they have been very proud of, of Proud, um, the show that we launched. Um, and and they are, I believe, trying to do the best by all their customers. And we're, we're taking a long-term view on this. Um, we're trying to offer, make sure our events deliver value to our to our customers this year. Um, and that mean that may mean not happening. Value may mean not happening, or it may mean really that it does happen. So um, we're we're taking each. Uh, situation case by case and and we know that we will like all of you bounce back stronger than ever um, with a greater need than ever for both human connection but also a new way of thinking a new way of learning new content um, as we all kind of challenge our own concepts of value 
um, going forward. Aside from postponing proud experiences, have you had to cancel or postpone any other ILTM so far? Yeah. Um, so we postponed ILTM Asia Pacific, um, which was the first show to postpone uh, until 2021. Um, we then postponed ILTM Latin America and Sao Paulo until 2021. And then we postponed proud experiences to November. Um, the next, uh, our first show of the year should be ILTM North America and Mexico. Um, we're keeping our fingers crossed and watching everything daily because, you know, as everyone knows, we're in a completely unprecedented situation where there is simply no way to forecast mm-hmm. or no way to predict things at the moment. Um, but we that is our greatest hope that we can t- continue with that show. Um, and moreover, and most importantly, our, our mothership, um, the Queen, which is ILTM Can, um, more important than anything that that that, that show goes ahead in. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're most concerned with the grandmother, should we say? <laughs> the, <oldest. laughs> the Queen Mother, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> Does so, so. Speaking of queens, there are mm-hmm. lots of um, queer people who work in the travel industry around the My world. Goodness, yeah. Uh, do you do you have any um, insight into how this might be affecting a lot of those folks who are who are employed in the industry, not just in luxury but in all segments of the market? Mm. Do you want a, 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 just an anecdotal story? I was at um, we did a little cocktail at the the new Fairmont Hotel in Copacabana in Rio mm-hmm. de Janeiro. Uh, and afterwards, I, I took my my brother-in-law uh, and his husband for a quick drink in the bar. And as we arrived, the the, the maitre or the the hostess um, was a beautiful trans lady, um, and she came to chat to us. And I was telling her all about proud, and she she was she was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! I love the concept of the show. I'm so happy! I'm so happy that Accor and Fairmont are supporting the show." Um, said because you know I'm the only trans person in this hotel, um, and I kind of gave myself a little bit of a smile, and I thought, you know, it's wonderful. Uh, it's mm-hmm. wonderful that they do have a trans person working in this hotel, and yes, we want to, you know, how much the the world has evolved that their that their bar, um, the hostess is is this gorgeous trans lady, probably most likely from an underprivileged background, probably from a favela in Brazil. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought, God, how far we have come. Um, and for sure, the, there are many steps forward that we still need to take. Um, I have no doubt that it is impacting a lot of the LGBT community. And you know, the reason the LGBT community plays such a big part of hospitality is because we love to please, we love to, mm-hmm. we love to be social, we love to have that human contact with a wider world. And that's essentially what travel is about. It, it, it puts us in contact with people beyond our own small little worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, I ran away from my beautiful countryside to, to the big city because I wanted connection with great people like you um, through to my you know, friends in Australia or China or uh, Cambodia where, you know, most recently was and you mentioned your partner so you guys are not in the same place right now correct 
No, we are. We're, we're yeah. Oh, okay. Behind. He's in the, the other <laughs> building. <laughs> Three weeks together, we're driving each other crazy already. I was going to ask you about that. Do you? So how has that been? Because I imagine you're normally traveling, so you probably aren't yes. spending as much time <laughs> together true. in one block. True. I mean, maybe he's probably saying, please go back to traveling. Back to <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this... There's five of us here actually, so we, we've been together for about three weeks with the, the five of us, and um, uh, so we we have a balance between all of us. Uh, there's one other gay couple and uh, one of our female friends who who, who owns the house, so we're, we're we're keeping each other sane and lots of humour, lots of dancing, lots of music, um, and there's a dog here as well that. That you know, if people drive you crazy, we just go and hang out with the dog instead. <laughs> well, I love I love the different ways people are um, kind of um, the different living situations people are having. Because I know I have another friend who's in Brazil um, who lives in Sao Paulo also, um, and he um, is in the countryside with his parents um, because he you know he has a you know he has a, a large group of friends in Sao Paulo, but you know, they don't live with him and he has a small apartment, but his parents have a big house and they're comfortable. And so he decided I'm going to go out with, go out there with them. Um, mm. and, I, and I have a, I know a bunch of folks are doing similar things, just trying to not be alone through all of this, um, and try yeah. to be with people. And, and I think I'm most concerned about, I'm most worried about those who are alone or, or single mothers, for example, my sister and my best friend in the world, both single mothers, my sister's got two two girls who are uh, ten and and fourteen, uh, and then my best friend has three year old, uh, an eight year old, and a twelve year old, um, and they're just about managing to stay sane. So I'm mostly preoccupied with those guys. But yeah, you're right. In Sao Paulo, like any other city, and um, whilst we have, do have lots of beautiful green spaces outside, most of us live in an apartment block, um, and and. Those those outdoor spaces are communal, and obviously we're not able to use them. Um, right. But in Brazil, you, people are, people love their families, and they're very close families. And family is not an obligation; family is a pleasure. Um, so a lot of people will go and spend time with the family and enjoy the outdoor enjoy the outdoor space that the grown ups have that some of us uh, less grown up people don't have. If that makes sense. It does. It does. So speaking of family, so we have we have a game that we play here on Quarantine and Chill called What Would You Do? Where I give you a scenario and then you um, then I ask you the question, what would you do in that scenario? Are you ready to play? Uh-huh. Okay, because 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 the scenario <laughs> today the scenario today actually involves family. Um, okay. okay. So now this is true. You are a frequent traveler. So but in this scenario, you're a frequent traveler. Who has just been to Italy, um, elsewhere in Europe, Hong Kong, and a few other places mm. before coming back home? Now at home, you live with your partner and your 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 um, elderly mother, and uh, and so it's right before the quarantine. And um, so, what would you do? Uh, so I've been to Italy. I just got back, and I'm living with my partner and my elderly mother. Correct. Um, when I was coming back, did I know about Corona? 
Yes, because it was it was um, it was in the news, and they they were just announcing the quarantine or, or mm. like recommending lockdowns in different places. Cool. Um, Self isolation. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was chatting to one hotelier in in Mexico where we do our event on the beach, and they have nine people who are stuck at their hotel. Uh, on the beach, and I, I, I think I would like to be happily one of those people self-isolating <laughs> at a beautiful luxury hotel on the beach, uh, leaving my partner and my my elderly mother to hang out together and sort themselves out. Citizens, what would you do in a scenario? You can go to our Quarantine and Chill Facebook page. Let us know right now. You can also post it to your Instagram story or on Twitter. Just make sure to add us or to use the hashtag Quarantine and Chill. We'll share it. I'm a Leo. I'm selfish. I love it. That's that's a great option, actually. So, um, so I think so. On a similar note to that, this is um, that's a great answer. I love that. But did you read the story? And um, I think it was the New York Times about the couple from South Africa who were on their honeymoon, and if I recall correctly, the Maldives, and um, they are having they weren't able to get out before South Africa closed their borders, and they're stuck at like this luxury resort in the Maldives and they're the only guests left and no one and the staff can't leave until they leave. So you have the entire staff of this resort catering to them. Amazing. And you're on a remote deserted island with nobody coming, nobody going, yeah. no risk of yeah. corona. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, John, I've never been a huge fan or had a massive desire to go to the Maldives, but this scenario, I would choose it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, they're talking about how, like, literally, they're like the staff. They have nothing to do, so they're they're coming to him all the time. Like, do you need anything? Mm-hmm. Like anything? What I wonder, though, and and I'm and what I what I couldn't tell um, is if they're being charged the same rate for yeah. their extended stay. Do you know how that works? <laughs> no, I have no idea. I wanted to ask the same question myself the other day, and I and I can imagine they're doing a nice. Very nice, Ray. Or maybe they're just spending on the F&B. And to be honest with you, all of us are spending so much more on food and beverage right now, or certainly beverage, than I would normally spend <laughs> yeah, on a normal yeah. And that would be my first question to the hotel. How stocked is your wine cellar right now? Yes, yes. It's funny. So when I did, when I did my, was getting all my, all my provisions to like to hunker down. So at first I did like the, the food, like some food to eat, like in the short term. Then the second order was um, some stuff that could last a little bit longer. Then the third order was to restock the bar uh, with some like some some like some 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 meat, like some prosciutto, some salami, some cheeses, and crackers, mm. so I can so I can have oh a, God, a nice lovely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so next, I have a question for you. How are you staying sane during this time period? Right. What, um. My sister posted the other day on um, on I think Instagram, Facebook. What have you been doing with your days? Mostly yoga and spiritual shit. Uh, that's what she said, <laughs> and I was like, uh huh. So my my sister's the hippie in the family, and she she constantly invites me to do meditation. Uh, so I'm meditating with her. Um, we're also we're kind of in I don't know. It, it's very Brazilian. It's like a Imagine a, a great big um, old coffee farm that they turned into big condos. 
um, so very, very private houses in the middle of the hills. So we're kind of walking within the condo, doing, you know, uh, four kilometers uh, walk within the condo, which just is full of nature, full of birds, full of things. So nature is my sanity. Um, I'm loving birds more than ever. I'm becoming a a 39-year-old bird spotter, um, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm quite enjoying. Um, So, yeah, meditation with the sister. Um, And how do you do that? Do you do it over the phone, over video? Yeah, we're Zooming it. Yeah. And the guy, the guy who does it has a really nice voice. So I'm quite enjoying that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That does help. That does help. Hi, citizens. For today's wellness tips, go to the Quarantine and Chill Facebook page. You can even leave some of your own. And, you know, funny thing about the birds. So in my apartment, um, I often, I have sleep, I have crazy sleep patterns. So sometimes I wake up really, really early. And I used to love to do that because I would hear the birds chirping. Um, I call it a magic hour. But for a few years, I stopped hearing it. Until recently... The birds have come back. They're coming back. Yeah, yeah. And and so now I'm here. The so that's the, I mean that if that's a posit, one positive of the situation that the birds are coming back. We um so where we are we, we kind of the, there are two very small houses um with kind of a social area in the middle uh, and the second of the houses was very recently built um and it may say stra- sound strange to you but the the windows don't have glass in them as yet so we've got Venetian blinds but no no glass in the windows as yet so oh okay stop stops anything flying in um but at six thirty in the morning the parakeets gather on a tree right outside the room. Uh, and start fighting. Um, so <laughs> without fail, I'm up at six thirty every morning. At your alarm clock. Exactly, exactly. But we do. We have toucans flying over um, quite regularly, hanging around. So it's very beautiful. So after this is all over, um, after what I call the zombie apocalypse is over, mm. where do you want to travel first? So really funny. I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky, and I and I feel like I've been to, I've been to all of my favorite places in the world. All the places that I really wanted to go, I've been to. So um, the the only place that I really feel that I want to go that I haven't been to is Korea, um, Seoul in particular. Um, so that's on the list. But actually, at the end of July, I have a big trip up to the Isle of Skye in Scotland. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm keeping everything crossed that that trip goes ahead. So there's yeah, there's 13 of us from the family. We've rented a chalet right on the waterfront there. Um, so it should be beautiful if it all goes ahead. And then the other the other trip for sure will be somewhere else in Brazil, going back to a, one of our places that you and I have a mutual love of, um, which is Bahia. Um, oh, love Bahia. Yeah. Can't wait to go back to Bahia. I'm um, I'm supposed to um, I have a trip in July to Kenya um, that I'm 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 like I'm going back and forth about if this should, if I should cancel or not. Um, right now I'm kind of holding on. I'm going to make a decision this month, but um, but then my next big trip after that was actually going back to. Um, I mean, not, not my next big trip, but one of my big trips was going back to Brazil um, to Bahia for. Um, um, Afropunk. Um, it's going to be in, in Bahia in November. So, um, so yeah, five. Yeah. 
So I think I, so. I, I, my, I was bringing my sister over. In fact, Thursday this week, in in three days' time, she had a mm-hmm. flight booked to come to Brazil, and I was going to take her to Bahia. Um, but I've rescheduled the flights, and she's coming in November. Yeah, so we're, I think we're we're heading up to Bahia in November. Ah. All things. What do you think is going to happen? And what maybe maybe you're what are you hearing? It might happen in terms of opening up borders. Do you think that? people will open up borders soon after um, quarantines are lifted, or do you think there will be a little bit of a lag time? Uh, there's definitely a nervousness about a double wave uh, coming through. And I, yeah, uh, I think we're looking at Asia right now and Japan, I guess Tokyo today is going into lockdown. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then I guess we'll sit and watch what happens in, in, Italy, Spain, New York, um, before before we make a judgment on that. But um, yeah, as uh, my fingers are all crossed for July, I think it will. If things get back to normal in July, uh, it'll help save the travel industry, um, mm-hmm. and I get to have my holiday in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> but so so July in Brazil is is like your. I mean, to the extent you have winter, is winter correct? Yeah, it, it, it is, absolutely. But um, most of the wealthy Brazilians travel in July because it is uh, it's kind of like the equivalent of your Christmas holidays, I guess, in the Northern right. Hemisphere. Um, right. So, but yeah, during... I'll ask you more because of... Do you think that will affect the um, virus? Because for what I what I'm read mm. is that it seems to be in the warmer warmer weather... It goes down. It goes down, but in cold weather, it kind of comes back. Yeah, and I get, uh, we are in. Where are we? I forget what month we're in. Uh, we're in <laughs> April, aren't we? Uh, yeah, and I, I believe officially we are in autumn um, oh, okay. right now. Um, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I think that you know, I'm I'm keeping my vitamin D topped up just in case. Um, but. But um, yeah, we. Uh, I guess it'll be a wait and see on this one, um, particularly in regards to Brazil. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be about the weather that impacts it. It's going to be about people's behaviors. Wash your hands, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so before I let you go, where can people find you um, online or in social media? Mm. Um, best way, the best places to look for me, or the quickest way to reach me, is probably via Proud Experiences, um, and you can find Proud Experiences uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and LinkedIn. So thank you so much, Simon. It's good to talk to you. Always look forward to seeing you in New York this um, fall for Proud Experiences, and maybe also in Bahia uh, when I'm there in November. Gracias. Toda oba. ni. Obrigado. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Quarantine and Chill, a creation of yours truly, Vincent Jones and Citizen Jones Travel. Much love to the amazing Ben Salk who produces, edits, and makes all the music for the podcast. If you love this episode, please like and leave positive comments on the podcast platform of your choice. You have no idea how much that helps us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can learn more about today's guests and get any resources mentioned in the conversation, as well as connect with other citizens in the Quarantine and Chill community. Until tomorrow, this is Vincent Jones reminding you to 
wash your hands. Let's quarantine and chill.